back in the uh, old Jewish synagogues, it used to be the rabbi who would sit down and then everybody else would have to stand. As a matter of fact, we read some stories. Jesus was sitting down, everybody else was standing. I don't know how we got away from that. I don't know where that change came, but I sure would like to change it back. And I'm learning I'm not as young as I used to be. I just can't run with those young guys anymore without hurting myself. So, Watch the papers. It might be the end of my career. We have two scripture readings this morning. The first comes from Exodus chapter 13. It's verses 20 through uh, 22. I have to check. Through 22. 20 through 22. And then from John 8. Both of these scriptures go together. And I'll explain how they do in the message. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. This is the Israelites, children of Israel. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Second scripture reading comes from John, chapter 8. Let's read verses 12, and I'm going to read through verse 20. Verses 12 through 20 of John, chapter 8. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your own testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two people is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. May God bless our understanding, the reading from this, his holy word. Amen. Jesus makes at least seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. Statements where he says, I am this, I am that. And we are going to look at each one of those statements over the seven Sundays of Lent. We began last week. When Jesus said, I am, he was doing more than just using the verb to be. Jesus was using the name by which the Lord revealed himself to Moses and all the people of Israel. I am I am. And in chapter 8, while he's standing in the temple, Jesus makes an audacious claim. 
I am the light of the world. He doesn't just say that he knows where he can find the light and he points people towards that. He says, I am the light, and he points to himself. He doesn't say he is a light. He's just one among many. He says, I am the light. And he doesn't say he's the light just for Christians or just for religious people or just certain parts of existence. He is the light of the world, the whole world. Now, light is a symbol. Light is a uh, word that shines right through the entire Bible from beginning to end. Light is the first thing that God creates in the book of Genesis when he says, let there be light. It's the first thing that he does. Light was also associated with the coming of the Messiah. Isaiah preached, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Also in Isaiah, we hear the Lord say to his Messiah, I am the Lord, I've called you in righteousness, I've taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations. And again, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation might reach to the end of the earth. Psalm 27 says, the Lord is my light, the Lord is my salvation. And in Psalm 36, 9, the people pray, in your light, God, in your light, we see light. So when Jesus cried out, I am the light of the world, ears go up. John does a lot with light in his gospel. He begins his gospel by telling us that the word, who is Jesus, In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. And then he says, remember, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Again, John writes, and the true light who enlightens everyone was coming into the world. In John chapter 3, after that conversation with Nicodemus, we read, and this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Those who do what is true come to the light. At the raising of Lazarus, later on, Jesus will say, those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. And John also tells us that Jesus said, while you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of light. Light, 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 all over the place, all over the Bible, throughout John's gospel. Now, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. It was during the Feast of Booths, also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a major festival of the Jewish people in Jerusalem. The Feast of Tabernacles uh, honored the harvest, the coming at the end of the harvest for all that agricultural world, but it also celebrated God's care and God's provision for the people of Israel as they wandered through the wilderness those 40 long years. And God provided for them and he cared for them in three different ways. Number one, he cared for them with manna. Number two, his care showed through that miraculous water coming from the rock. And the third way that God provided for them 
was by providing light, going before the people in a pillar of cloud during the day that was a pillar of fire during the night. That's what we read in Exodus. We heard how the Lord went in fire, went in front of them as fire to give them light. That light anticipated God's presence and how that would later fill the tabernacle, the portable tent that the children of Israel would use, tearing up, setting down, depending on where they went. That's what they would set up for their worship, the tabernacle, that portable tent. And it says at the end of Exodus, Moses set up the tabernacle and then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, the Israel's, Israelites would set out on each journey, stage of their journey. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not go out until that day it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in the cloud by night. That light from the pillar of fire was the glory and the presence of the Lord. It was also the way the Lord led them. It was the way that he guided them. This is what the people were celebrating at the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem at the temple. When Jesus cries out, I am the light of the world, he says this while he's teaching in the treasury. This is what we're told, verse 20, in the treasury where the people would bring their offerings, their money. Now, the treasury was located in the court of the women. Remember the temple in Jerusalem was divided into different courts, really for different people. And the court of the women was the place that the women could go. That's as close as they could get kind of to the center of the temple. Each afternoon during the Feast of Tabernacles, in the court of the women, the priests and many other pilgrims in Jerusalem would gather and they would light four large, big oil lamps, candelabras, We are told that these candelabras, these lights, when they were lit, were so bright that they could illumine all the other courtyards in the temple. And the temple was huge. It was like city blocks. The people would sing. They would play instruments. They would begin to dance. They would begin to praise the Lord. And they would do this from night when they lit those candelabras, those huge lamps, until the dawn. These four lights symbolized the glory of of God in the temple. And they reminded the people of that guiding light, that pillar of light, and how God directed them, their ancestors, in the wilderness. It also spoke of the light to come, the light that they were expecting in the Messiah who would bring light to those who were dwelling in darkness, as Isaiah had prophesied. It was here, and it was then, that Jesus spoke his words about being the light of the world and that those who follow him will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What must people have been thinking when they heard him say this in that setting, at that place? Jesus was making himself the light that led the children of Israel, the light that filled the place of worship, the light that they expected God to send in the person of the Messiah into the world. You know, Isaiah had also said, the Lord will be your everlasting light. It was a humongous, it was a deeply bold claim. 
Jesus was putting himself in the place of the Lord. And it says, no one seized him. Now, why would anybody want to seize him? Because he was making himself divine. He was putting himself in the very place of God, attributing to himself what only belongs to God. And this is the second time that we've seen Jesus do something like this in the Gospel of John, where he takes a meaningful and poignant symbol of Israel and he replaces it basically with himself. Remember in John chapter 2, he says, tear this temple down in three days, I'll build it back up. He was speaking of the temple of his body. But he's still putting himself in its place. I kind of like this preaching sitting down. I can get used to this. hope it's working for you. It's working for me. Great. Jesus says that the light he gives is the light of life. In Psalm 56, this prayer is offered to God. You've delivered my soul from death, my feet from falling, so that I may walk before God in the light of life. Very same phrase. Every person longs to have a life that is significant. Every one of us has a deep desire to live, to really live a real life. And we want the way we live to matter. At funerals, people speak about the wonderful attributes, the wonderful qualities of the person who has died because we want to affirm the life they had. Sometimes you hear this, she lived life to the fullest. You know, we'll say that whether she did or not because we just want to affirm that life. We have a hunger to know that we are really living. I'm living life large. I'm living life to the fullest. And all sorts of things are advertised to us promising real life, a vacation that goes there, uh, buying that insurance, driving that type of car, getting that piece of exercise equipment so that I can have that type of body and this type of appearance. Life is defined often in terms of glamour, wealth, comfort. And if we can get these things, we figure we can finally sit back and just say, ooh, this is the life. Unfortunately, what they pitch to us often isn't real. It isn't always real. And so when we do buy into it, we find it isn't satisfying. We find it isn't really lasting. Glamour must not be real life because I see too many people, celebrities, and what do we read? Their lives just come falling apart. They're broken. Just terrible things happening. And let me just say, glamour has not worked for me. Money, apparently, is not a quality life. Look at the number of people with great wealth whose lives are falling apart, who can get anything they want to, yet they find a deep emptiness. We live in the wealthiest place on earth. I would argue we might have the highest level of discontent and unhappiness on the earth, too. Comfort, apparently, isn't life, true life, A person can have all the latest amenities and still never be satisfied because as soon as we get the 4G, what do we want? The 5G. And it's coming. When one listens to Jesus, we find that the light of life is not about fame, it's not about wealth, it's not about ease. Rather, Jesus spoke of life in very countercultural terms, very different from the ways that the world offers life to us. Jesus spoke of self-sacrifice, of loving one another, of 
prayer of forgiveness, of investing in more than this present world holds dear and offers us. Real life involves obedience, Jesus said. He says it'll involve forgiveness. That's real life. Real life will involve love and trust. Real life is having peace with God. Real life, Jesus says, is gathering and living with those who also want to follow him and walking and living the type of life that he offers, that he maps out. Jesus says, I will illumine what real life is for you. Following Jesus, as opposed to the success seminars and all the techniques they give us, following Jesus is gospel's way to get real life. How is Jesus light? Light is one of the most basic, functional, fundamental qualities of life. We all need it. This planet wouldn't exist without light. I think there's a reason it was first in what God created. First of all, light allows us to see, does it not? The light allows me to see what is real, what is true. Light shows me the dirt in our house. It shows me the blemishes that might be on my face. Light shows me where things are in the closet, where it's dark. I need light to see. Jesus, the light of the world, shows me my sin, how far I fall short, the blemishes in my life. He illumines for me the dark places of my heart and of my life. But he also sheds light on my value to God and how much I am loved by him. Jesus, the light of the world, allows me to see God's heart, what God is like, what he has done for me. He shows me how God has pursued me, and he wants me to know him and to know me, because I surely wouldn't figure that out on my own. So light allows us to see. Second, light is a guide. We follow Jesus like the Israelites followed that light of cloud in the sky. God led them through the desert when they had no idea where they were to go. And every day of our lives can be a day of following the life of Jesus and the light of Jesus. When we're faced with a situation, we don't know what to do. When we ask ourselves, you know, I'm not sure about this. We can we can ask, is this Jesus? Does this sound like him? Is this consistent with what I know to be true of his life and the things that he has said and the values that Jesus would uphold? And then we allow his light to shine on our circumstances or on our dilemma. How would Jesus respond, we might ask? What would Jesus do? How would he speak? How would he not speak? How would he act? How would he not act? And to ask ourselves, I think that question in times of perplexity puts us in his light. We allow his gracious, wise, God-honoring light to life to illumine our lives. Third, light illumines the darkness. And Jesus says those who follow him will never walk in darkness. Never walk in darkness? Because I don't know about you, but I have my dark days and seasons, and I have my dark moods. And I wonder sometimes how much of my darkness is because I tend to follow a different way than the Lord's. For example, I find when I harbor resentment and unforgiveness or anger, it tends to put me in dark places. 
I find that choosing to make myself the center or taking myself too seriously puts me in some darkness. I must follow Jesus, not myself, not anyone else. I think Jesus, what he means when he says this, is that we will not continually keep walking in darkness if we follow him. Eventually, wherever we are, we will be led out because if I have my feet where Jesus' feet have been, I cannot remain in darkness very long. Eventually, I will leave that and be walking in light. Sometimes darkness comes just because we live in a dark world, and it just comes around us. Jesus acknowledges there's darkness. He faced it, but it cannot totally destroy us. Whether we face despair, whether we face the darkness of death, or we can't find our way, we remember there is a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. The darkness has not overcome it. Why? Well, when all the powers of hell put him on the cross and buried him in a tomb, it did not last. There was no deeper darkness than the darkness of death, but Jesus, the light of the world, could not be kept there. The light shined even through death. And that is why Jesus can say, we will not walk in the darkness of death, not if we follow him. Sometimes our view of Christ in dark times, in any given time, can be just a flickering in the distance. It's just so small. But even if we just have the smallest glimpse of his light and Christ's glow, we know there's hope and we know that darkness cannot totally overtake us. Light brings life. You know, photosynthesis is the process of, and I'm not a scientist, maybe I have this wrong, but it's the process, or part of it wrong. It's the process of uh, taking carbon dioxide and making it into oxygen so that we can live and breathe. It is vital for all of life on Earth. There is hardly a living thing on Earth that doesn't get energy from photosynthesis. Photosynthesis relies on light. As a matter of fact, the word literally means putting together of light. Now, you know what happens when you put a plant or any living thing in total darkness and you leave it there. It dies. It's not going to live. The light of the world, who is Jesus, brings growth and he brings health. He helps us breathe. His words, his life, his present activity in our lives nourishes us. If I never read or hear what he has to say in his words. If I never reflect on his life and put it before my eyes, if I do not have a relationship with him where I surrender my will to his and allow him to work in my life, I will wither and I will just die. I think of something else light does. You ever see a rainbow? Light will bring out tremendous colors and beauty from a storm. Dark clouds, rain, maybe even thunder and lightning will close in, but when the storm begins to break, the sun will bring out colors and beauty sometimes in a rainbow. How many times do we go through a dark valley, a dark time, a trial, where it just seems so bleak, but we begin to see Jesus' life. We begin to see the beauty that actually came out of something was very, very hard because his light brings that beauty. How many times have we seen that? Now, light is also a symbol in the Bible for doing the right thing. 
for living a morally good life. Impurity, lying, greed, things like that, or darkness, what is good, what is true, uh, what is right, that is of the light. In fact, generally speaking, in any religion, in any philosophy, in any spirituality in the world, light is often a metaphor for knowledge or truth, the difference between good and evil. The properties of light are just vastly important. Jesus, the light of the world, allows me to see myself truly as I am, and he helps me to see God. Jesus, the light of the world, guides me. Jesus brings light to my darkness. Doesn't mean that I won't experience darkness or I'll never see it, but when it comes, it will, won't swallow me up. It cannot hold me. Jesus brings health into my life. I grow in my faith and my soul. And Jesus gives me the grace to live in a way that honors God, doing what is right, doing what is true, doing what is good. Light is of God. And Eugene Peterson wrote, our ability to see anything and understand it is because of God. Even our questions about God are evidence of God. Our enlightened minds, which we use to deny God, are a gift of the God who gives us life. I said that light shines right through the Bible from the beginning to the end. It comes into being in Genesis. And at the very end of the Bible, in Revelations chapter 21 and 22, there is a vision of what it will be like when all darkness and all evil is finally conquered and Christ establishes his kingdom. It's the vision of the new city of God, the new Jerusalem. And in the new Jerusalem, it says there will be no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God is its light and its lamp is the lamb. Well, we know who the lamb is because we heard and saw John the Baptist point to him and point him out and say, look at Jesus. There is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it says, Revelation 22, and there will be no more night. They need no light or lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will forever reign forever and ever. There is an invitation in Jesus' words in John chapter 8. The invitation is whoever follows me. The invitation for the light, for the, the escape the darkness is whoever follows me. Do you follow him? If so, keep on. Maybe you've been following him more loosely than you would like to, and it's time to recommit, renew, re-up the following, that walk. You always can. I do it all the time. Would you like to follow Christ? Maybe your life is a little dark. Maybe your heart knows no peace with God. Believe in Jesus, the light of the world, and begin to follow him. Listen to him. Spend time with him. Put him at the center. And see what happens. After our blessing at the end of our service, which we always end with, I'm going to have a circle of prayer right over here in front of the drums on the floor. We do that once in a while. And I'm just going to lead a circle of prayer for any and all who would like to join that circle for a need you might have or for those who want to follow or who want to start again. 
for those who want to follow or those who want to start again. You can join that circle. You don't have to say a word. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to ask you to say a word. God knows your heart. God knows why you're there. And I will just lead all of us who gather in that circle in a time of prayer. We're going to close with returning to the song. Jason and the musicians are going to lead us the song, Be Thou My Vision. It is a prayer. And as we sing the words, sing it as a prayer. Particularly as uh, we sing that line that comes at the end of the first verse. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, waking or sleeping, my presence, my light. Waking or sleeping, my presence, my light.